You and I are about to embark upon a magnificent collaboration. We are going to make history today. Using your gift, I'm going to do what no politician, no scientist, no philosopher has ever done. I'm going to make the whole world right. Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You are about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake? is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast where we talk about hidden history, geopolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the odd man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. What's up, oddities? I am so excited. I always say that, but I'm super excited this time because I have someone on who I wanted to have on when I first started doing the show, but I didn't have the... The balls to ask her because I'm like, yeah, I'm not ready to do a show with somebody of that caliber yet. And so I've been able to test out my podcasting skills, my hosting skills on other people. But uh, I had her uh, partner on from her show, Binkley, and he was great. We had a blast. So I'm super excited to have Monica Perez from the Propaganda Report. Hello, Monica. Hey, odd man. We're actually going to, with your permission, after you've aired this and everything like that, we're going to, if you allow us, we want to post his show and my show back to back on our, like our free feed and our Patreon feed. So people have like an odd man doubleheader. Ooh, that's awesome. That's I love okay it. That's okay with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, right, great. Very cool. Yeah. I was telling Brad, that I, uh, I think I started listening to you guys around, I want to say like the third episode. But I know that, of course, you'd had the radio show long before that. But I was so excited to find a, a show that actually talked about deep policies and <clears throat> the way you guys broke down stuff. I would tell everybody about <laughs> your show. And I finally bugged my wife until she became a huge fan. So awesome. we're so excited that you guys have you know, such a, a prominent voice in the community because you guys have something to say. 
Well, when I had the radio show, I used to get very nervous. I didn't, it wasn't my thing. I was never meant to be, you know, I was an exhibitionist or anything like that. And I would, I'd want to kind of keep up on the news, but I hated the newspaper and it was such BS agenda stuff. And even listening to the radio is just the same old crap. And I just could not find anything that gave um, a deeper perspective on the daily headlines I could find a few things, but it always ended with, so buy gold. And I felt like they were <laughs> overly, you know, stressing you out so that you would go buy gold. And I thought I, that's an agenda too. So mm -hmm. I honestly, like, I just had to start doing it because I needed it. And then I started doing it myself. I was like, crud, I got to read the newspaper every day and try <laughs> to figure it out. And like an hour and a half into the Wall Street Journal every day, I was like, I should just share this with people because they want to know and they don't want to waste their time reading the newspaper. Why should we all crack the code? And Binkley was right there with me. He was my producer and sidekick on the Monica Perez show, which is on the radio. But now, I mean, our perspective isn't always the same, but we can have a conversation about anything. So it's really worked mm. out great. It's actually better to, I mean, I, I, they never told me why the show ended, but it was exactly one year ago. It was um, right after the show where I said, oh, the CDC is in on event 201 and this isn't a two week lockdown. This is a 12 month lockdown. I mean, that was it. I was almost <laughs> escorted to the door, but we had just started doing it daily ourselves on the podcast and it's much better. Like I, it, the radio show was a little more stressful, but I did like it when people from the community, very diverse Atlanta community would call in and just blow up all the stereotypes that CNN and even Fox just try to shove down your throat. It was really great to do that. But as far as just giving out the news, it's easier this way. And it's, mm. and people do like it. You did have great callers because, you know, I would listen a lot and, and uh, yeah, it's just great to hear people because like my, I'm in Knoxville in Tennessee and um, I used to, you know, back in the day, I listened to all those right wing shows because I used to be super conservative after 9-11 and all that. But, um, you know, I would listen, I've listened to hours of Rush and I've listened to, um, I used to listen to Savage quite a bit, uh, Michael Savage. Yeah. Uh, I've listened to Hannity and Ingram and those people, but that's, they're just like so boring. It's, it's hard to yeah, get. Anything. I like Savage. I liked Rush. I mean, that's what my, yeah. there was a consultant, a radio consultant who they introduced me to over there. And he said, well, who, who do you like to listen to? And I said, well, Rush, I mean, he's absolutely perfect. I will, mm. I will say that half the time I don't agree with him. And the other half of the time he's just lying. So <laughs> there's no, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm would be his friend, but he is, he was perfect. He invented that industry. Mm -hmm. I yeah, mean, Hannity absolutely. is just a copycat of that. Now, Michael Savage, I think was a little more interesting. I do too. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. got kind of a, I haven't listened to him in years, but like, yeah. you know, he would, he would start talking about cuisine and wine and, you know, it made it interesting. He had a different perspective and that, I really appreciated that. I actually listened to him before Rush. And I remember one night I was in a heavy metal band and I just happened to turn on, you know, I wasn't into politics at all, even though the band is was called, we are the conspiracy. Nice. <laughs> we just wow. lifted that. It was around the time of, um, the Clinton was it White Whitewater scandal? Yeah, the yeah. scandal. Mm -hmm. So like you know the the name conspiracy was in the news all the time. So I think that's where we got it. But uh, I, we actually lifted it from the Bible. Actually, I, I know we got the name originally from really? that. It says, "Do not call conspiracy everything this world calls conspiracy." And I'm right. I'm 
I don't know. I think it's in no, Isaiah. Tell me more. Yeah. I don't I think get it's it. Isaiah. I, I, I'm blanking on which verse it is and which chapter. I should totally know. But um, anyway, <laughs> we we did that. But uh, I was listening one night. I just happened to turn on from rock radio to uh, Savage. And he was like talking about something. I don't remember exactly because this was pre 9-11. But I just remember whatever it was, it was something about cultures and how the cultures are changing. It was probably something like cultural Marxism or something, but I wouldn't even have known the term at the time. Yeah. Then they didn't say it like that. Yeah. But it just jived with me. I'd never heard anybody really say, well, the, the, the culture is being attacked before. I, I must comment. I'm absolutely yeah. certain none of this is on your list of things to talk about, but I have to comment on that. Is I, I lived in, I live in LA now, but I, I lived in LA a long time ago too. And I remember I used to like Dennis Prager mm. and I wrote him an email once and I said, thank you for being the voice of reason in Southern California. But it was, I don't think it was before 9-11, but it was certainly before I understood 9-11. And I, I always had this nagging doubt about like guys like him, they would, they would really sell in all the like sound economics and even like common sense behavior that sounds conservative, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, just uh, like family life is good for kids. Like that, that doesn't have to be a political viewpoint. I, you know, but, but, and, and they didn't really overdo it that way, make it a really political wedge issue, but they would always kind of throw in and we, we have to bomb the middle East because they hate us for our, freedoms. You know, they would always throw right. that in, but he really had me on the economics and the liberty and just the kind of, you know, I'm a libertarian. So it's not like mm -hmm. I ever wanted the defense of marriage act, which is a violation of the constitution or anything like that. I just, it's common sense to say like, it's better. They used to not let you adopt a kid if it wasn't like a, you know, happy marriage or whatever. Yeah. And, and they would like sell it in that way then. And it wasn't that bad, but after, once I realized like the nine 11 thing, by giving people a, the false narrative on 9-11, which really fundamentally upends what we, what human civilization and human nature has informed in our civilization, legal arch architecture, that mm -hmm. like liberty is the practical answer. Like a, mm -hmm. a narrowly defined set of laws based on not killing and not stealing are laws that everyone will recognize as true and there will be pressure in the community itself to follow those laws. So mm. when you have like American exceptionalism, which was not American extraordinariness, it was American exceptionalism. We are an exception to respecting other people's sovereignty, but we expect them to respect ours. They would go out and that was highly destabilizing. And, and so people didn't notice that or like to say that these people hated us for our freedom. They were irrational. That's a big thing. Like, well, Iran is irrational. They're going to bomb us. So then if you believe that truth, you have to rethink your principles. And that's why I would tell people like, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I don't want to tell people about false flags. I don't want you to have to believe my truth. I don't have to be a firsthand investigative reporter. I don't have the resources for that. I'm a news analyst. And that was really my job. But if you believe those narratives, you have to question 
your principles, how the world works. They, you, they really put a lot into psychology and sociology in, in getting you to divorce your understanding of the world from your experience personally. Well, psychology and sociology means that what you just think as natural incentives don't really hold. So that's why, like for us, our show, for example, is called like Truth, Liberty, and Justice. Like that's, I hate, I, I don't, I would tell people, look, I, you don't have to, you don't have to listen to the truth part if you're willing to defend the liberty part to the death. Because trust mm. me, it goes hand in hand with the truth part. And then you have like, they've hijacked that even and said, well, even though masks will save lives and not wearing masks will kill everyone, idiot libertarians will fall on the sword, even if it means the end of humanity, right? But that's mm. not, then you have to get into the truth of it. That's not true. How do I know it's not true? 10,000 years have told me it's not true. And that's why libertarianism is, I mean, not ism, I don't know, but like, that's why law should be limited to violating other people's rights rather than other behaviors enforced, you know, at the point yeah. of a gun, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. And it's, it's so like, the days and times we live in, I mean, it's, it's, it's surreal, isn't it? It's like, I feel like I'm in a movie sometimes and I'm, I'm like standing, you know, outside or maybe on the side of the set and I'm watching this weird kind of uh, soft dystopia taking form. And it's like, and here living in the heart of the South, the people have just, I never thought they would put up with so much. And it was oh. just, it was hard. It was kind of heartbreaking, really, to uh, realize. see. I left right when it all started, so I didn't. And and Atlanta is totally different, like inside the mm -hmm. loop where I used to live. So there's nothing there. But I was even surprised when I when I moved to the South that you know I kind of felt it was a little bit like. I mean, this is controversial. I don't know how. Like you know, if you want me to censor myself a little bit, but. Yeah. No. I just feel like Germany. Okay. I get it. I understand if every single thing they say about Nazi Germany, hundred percent true, except every single, the most extreme thing you can imagine. And everybody else was perfect. And Germany started world war one and all of that still after, you know, they use that in Germany as a way to guilt people out of, their rights or their mm -hmm. feeling of empowerment to defend rights and mm -hmm. and it gets exploited and right. i feel like when i went to the south the same although kudos to germany they did they must have redone their constitution in such a way after the war that they can now use it to defend themselves i think they that they do have a strong sense of not violating rights for that reason but so when i went to the south i was like okay are we even in the South? Can you not separate out the different things that were at stake from the American Revolution, from the Civil War? Like there were fundamental issues about sovereignty and and governance and the use of force mm -hmm. that were separate from the fact that the unequivocal fact that slavery of anyone by anyone else is wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. slavery of innocent people is wrong. Now, if you're getting the death penalty and you get a choice, well, you could work for me or for without pay, or you get the death penalty, then is that slavery? Is that wrong? I don't know. Like you could even go into that conversation. Yeah. But the fact is there were a lot of things at stake that we are now not allowed to talk about at all because they're all tainted by those issues. So I felt like the South mm -hmm. had already was really, uh, you know, 
no, you wouldn't expect the Northerners. I'm from New York. You wouldn't expect us to even know the issues. We never talked about the Civil War at all. Mm-hmm. But I would have thought that the South would know the issues. But I felt like they that was not OK to think about or talk about, even when I moved, first moved there. No, no. And the, the range of dialogue has been decreased to the point where it's just ridiculous, you know, and, and it's scary to think about. And, you know, I try to talk to my kids. I've always tried to be pretty honest with them. And because my mom was always honest with me about different things. But I, I don't think that most people, you know, want to have those conversations with their children and, and they, they don't have them with their friends even most of the time. So it's it's really sad. And uh, one thing I wanted to, to mention because I, I, when I was super conservative after 9-11, because I, I just kind of dipped my toes into politics, listening to Rush and Savage, and then that happened the next year, and it's like, I went crazy conservative, you know, and um, I was like that for several years, but, um, you know, I just kept researching more and more until finally I'm like, wait a minute, it seems like they're, a lot of these people on, in both parties are the same at the top, they're kind of at, going for the same kind of thing and they don't really care about these these partisan issues and these social issues and i think probably council on foreign relations was like one of my big wake-up calls you know because it's just out there it's been there for you know they're celebrating their 100th year this year you know are they is that this year yeah yeah on their trying to see how that folds in with world war one and colonel house and woodrow wilson yeah so that was all at play behind the scenes around that time Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, yeah. And when I saw that it was their hundredth year, they actually, if you go on their website, it actually says it up in the corner in pretty big uh, numbers, 100th or 100. So I was like, Whoa, 100. And we're it is agenda 21. It's that year as well. So all this oh, stuff is coming together. Yeah. So it kind of was like, wow, has this been, you know, I don't know. <laughs> what else well, and there's so that? many other organizations that promote the same message. And I always think it's funny because when you go to their websites, all the websites kind of look alike. And I always discover new ones all the time. So Rockefeller Foundation is an obvious one. The World Economic Forum is one. The Bosch Foundation was one. The guy who runs Google has one. There's, um, I haven't lately looked at the Carnegie Endowment. I'm sure that's one of them. And then I was looking at just... Uh, she just stumbled upon yesterday. I was looking into something and I found something like the council for inclusive capitalism and it's run by the Rothschilds and it had, and it was in a wall street journal article about boycotting Georgia for voting laws or something like that. And, and they all kind of come out on the same page. And if you look at, I mean, I've been talking about world economic forum for a long time because their mission statement is basically the definition of fascism like they want business and government to unite and and the part of that is is taking out the representation from the people and it, and it's frustrating to me because I'll look back at I I begin to understand a little bit that socialist communist m- movement in Europe. I if I had to pick I'm an anarcho-capitalist and I guess I'm going to stick with that even though capitalism it doesn't even doesn't even mean what when it, like capital itself doesn't seem to be real anymore either. So I don't, I don't even know how to define that, but free market per you know, whatever yeah. voluntarist, I guess. So when they, 
so when they kind of, but I would probably respect a monarchy better than a democracy. And you could say like the tax rates of monarchies were historically like a fraction of what a democracy can get away with, for example, like if that's yeah. a proxy for power. So they got, did away with the monarchies and that sucked. But after that, they, I could see why the Europeans would then say, okay, we need to be communist because all the land was absorbed by the feudal lords over the hundreds of years. And we're never, ever getting access to that. They enslaved mm -hmm. us or whatever. We're never there. There was never a fair way to, to own land originally. And now there's no remedying that. So to the extent that you're that, that little sliver at the top is getting all the profits, they have to redistribute some to us. Now we didn't have that issue because we had a different scenario. And mm -hmm. when I, I remember when I first looked into it, only like 5% of the wealth in the country was inherited. Like we just always created it ourselves. But then I started to realize like once all the money and power is concentrated at the top and they use government privilege or use of force, if you want to go back to the feudal thing, there's like nothing you could do. And, and why would that faction, that sector, the people who call themselves progressive, be in support like Stacey Abrams in Georgia? Why would that, that she pretends like, or I think it's pre pretense, that there's this uh, grassroots that really, really wants Delta to craft the legislation out from under the legislators. You know, I mean, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> you know? right. Like, what, yeah. what could possibly go? It's like, obviously, that is just the beginning of the end to have pure, like, oh, we want fascism. That's what they're calling for. <laughs> and they're the ones who think that they're anti fascist, but it's <laughs> I, the same. So it's all, they're all yeah. working for those corporations, it seems to me, although I'm sure most of the rank and file don't realize it. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about your show. You guys talk about CFR and Brookings Institute and Chatham House and all that stuff. And um, I really, because I consider myself more of a libertarian-ish, cap type of person too. And I'm for the free market, if you can find a free market, you know. I know. But I get so frustrated with, you know, the Libertarian Party and even with the Mises Institute, which I really respect those yeah. guys. Mm -hmm. I, I think Dave Smith is awesome. He's a great mm -hmm. speaker. And yeah. I think he's, you know, the best thing they got going. And Tom Woods is great, too. Yes. But I don't see those guys hardly ever talking about the NGOs and the, you know, the CFRs. And, and I don't know if they think it's it would sound conspiratorial, yeah. which it's not at all. It's easily mm -hmm. referenced, you know. Right. Um, I've, I've tweeted out to them. I've messaged them. I, never. I never, I, I put like a message on Mises, like their Facebook page a couple weeks ago. I'd love to talk to someone about the NGOs and what, you know, the Mises party could do or the Mises caucus could do to kind of combat the NGOs that are working with these corporations and control policy. Nobody gets back to me. So it's really frustrating. You have to wonder if they, if they realize how these things are really working, because if it's just Democrats suck, well, we know that. We know that uh, taxation is theft. That's day yeah. one, right? I, I, uh, there's, I like Dave Smith and Tom Woods. I don't listen too often to other, even Ron Paul. I won't, as I'm sure you know, if you listen to my show, I really try not to listen to other people's podcasts, people who are, are like, offer opinions and stuff. Mm -hmm. I try only listen to subject matter stuff because 
I don't think I would add any value if I heard somebody explain something that made sense to me. I would not think it through myself. And then I couldn't mm. possibly add any original value. So maybe I agree with them three quarters of the time, but I don't know because I don't want to taint. But there are other people. So I'm, I'm excluding them because I do. I don't have an opinion on on why they avoid that stuff. But there are other people who like should have been talking about event 201 a lot. I, I don't know if they ever did get around to it, but I was blowing the whistle on that. I mean, I, I feel that I lost my job over it, mm. but you know, I can't say for sure. Nobody ever told me, but within two weeks, so two weeks into it, or like in the middle of February, it's like, they're saying this is two weeks. It's going to be like 12 to 18 months because that's what it says here. And I was literally predicting things as they were unrolling, not because I'm so smart. I was just reading off of the event one script. And after a while, maybe one month, it was very clear that that's what was happening. And still no one was talking about it. So, mm-hmm. and you can even just say like WSB is supposed to be conservative. I, you know, they're not talking about, it. they're not probably not allowed to talk about it. I don't think I was. (laughs) So I absolutely feel like there's tons of people there. I call like the libertarians on Fox, you know, Mm -hmm. Fox libertarians, like corporate libertarians or or basically conservatives who believe in abortion, I guess is how I would think about it because (laughs) every once in a while, you know, they're certainly not saying, well, Iran has every right to have weapons and nuclear power. Like why, why don't they? So Like that, that's like a, a thing and they would never say that. So, you know, that they, there's some stuff they can't talk about or that they will, they, you know, the Pre- Dennis Prager effect where they'll get you completely on one side and then they'll just throw this other stuff in after you really like and respect them a lot. Yeah. But, uh, so I think, I think for most of them, it's more than just, I don't want to sound crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think it may be, for a lot of them that I'm beginning to think that there are, there's like a mutual respect among little subcategories in the media. And if you're in that, if you're a guy who's saying the same thing as the other guy, then you're, you're bros and you don't want to lose that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like it's not as sinister as, you know, like I I was around a lot of people who are hardcore Trump, maybe I would say fellow traveling Q. Mm. And it occurred to me, I was like, boy, I would get a lot more listeners if I started smoking the bait, you know, the Kool-Aid, whatever I I, I could. If I started blowing the whistle on adrenochrome, I could probably do a show a day with that much prep and get 10 times the amount of listeners I have. You know, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, but I consciously realize, oh, I see. Like, I am this tiny, like, not everybody. I think most people need, I am not going to say a tribe, but I think most people, it's easier to take a package of viewpoints, even if it's a sub thing. Mm-hmm. than yeah. it is to have to listen to every damn word someone like me is saying and be like, sometimes I agree, sometimes I don't agree. I have to decide whether she's full of shit or she's trying to influence me or she's owned or fake. And I have to do that one at a time because sometimes I just disagree with her. Is she serious or is she leading me down the garden path? But if I gave you a package that you'd already evaluated, then 
you could accept that or reject it. And, and it's easier for like, it's an external economy of scale. Like if I would just plug into that. So I don't think it's sinister. I think it's safer. I think there are some people, maybe the most prominent ones, and I can't even think of a name. So I'm not mm. actually pointing at anybody who's like, I've been told <laughs> that don't touch that. And I used to be told that by people who said they were listeners, they would say mm. like on the radio show, don't say that. I love your show and I don't want you to get thrown off the air. And I know somebody who, you know, mentioned that to me. So mm -hmm. they they can tell you without like writing a check <laughs> that that's yeah. what it is. But I have I have actually a question for you. Yeah. All right. I'm interested in your opinion since we're on the subject. So I recently so I always I had to really think hard when I was on the radio about whether like I was an arco capitalist, right? And nobody else was. So why mm. who am I talking to on the radio? And that's when I realized that I would prefer to defend the Bill of Rights and kick that can until people came around to the idea of voluntarism and free society. And I'd rather educate people within this system, which isn't really like, it's a bad system. I get that. But the constitution is not really that bad. Like the articles of confederation, I prefer them, but the constitution was hard won on the heels of that. And the bill of rights too, was a hard one negotiation. And we're living in that world we don't have a bad hand. Like we don't have a bad position to play if we insist on, like if we call that a contract and we mm. insist that they uphold their end of the bargain, which is they have to respect these limits to their power. I, if we restored the constitution and the bill of rights to the letter, I would be satisfied. I would be satisfied. So now, and I always thought that, and that's how I ran my show. Now, I, I think that the big grand conspiracy, the World Economic Forum and the Stacey Abrams and all that, they, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights is a problem for them. And I think that they, that the plot here is to get, the people on the right, the Trump supporters to see bad elections, bad processes as a reason to overthrow the constitution itself, the government, um, this whole thing of the constitutional convention. I, I, many, many people who are supportive of that, I think Levin might be, but, uh, I think that they're totally sincere and I completely get it, but I knew right away you're not doing a better job than Thomas Jefferson in this day. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know right. Jefferson did the Declaration of Independence, but and wasn't there for the Constitution, which is significant, I think, because it was a little bit of a coup. But you're not doing a better job than those guys. They were on the heels of the Enlightenment. They had to really they had to cut a hard. We cut a hard bargain with the authorities for that. And we're not doing better. And and the yeah. fact that it's so short. It's so short. I mean, it's plain as day. The Second mm. Amendment, plain as day. It's really hard to read <laughs> something into that. So that isn't there. So I, I want to defend that. And I now I'm thinking like this day, yesterday, I just started like, okay, that's a, actually good. Like I feel better now. That's a white pill for me. And there mm. are guys like Robert Barnes who is a civil rights attorney who's on Trump's team, who's on my show. I'm sure like he, he has much more of a 
like he's way less. I think he's less down the rabbit hole than I am for sure. Like he 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 never got to the point where I'm like, this is hopeless. Okay, maybe there's hope. He's just like, we got to fight the good fight. Yeah. And uh, and Trump is fighting the good fight. And I'm like, I think Trump is owned and fake, but whatever. It doesn't <laughs> you know, maybe that doesn't matter. So as long it doesn't matter as long as. See, this is what I always objected to Trump is that he did not ever defend the Bill of Rights. He never, mm-hmm. ever talked about the Bill of Rights ever. And that's all that matters at this point. Like that is we've got to save that from the, you know, we've yeah. got to save that from the bird. Like, what do you say if Shakespeare or the cat, you know, if your house is burning down, it's the last copy of Shakespeare. What do you say? And I'm like, the Bill of Rights. <laughs> so, so I just, I feel like, you know, so now what? Is it the Mises Caucus? Is it the Constitution Party? Like, what, what would, you know, what do you think? Do you agree with what I'm saying? And do, you know, did you, have you ever thought about what the right, action items would be yeah i mean no i totally agree with you you know I, i'm kind of torn now and i don't you know i always say i don't want to be a debbie downer but it's like i <laughs> it's almost too feel late. like <laughs> i mean i kind of feel like it is because i feel like seeing how the people have been especially in, in my area but all over yeah so willing to just give up their rights and to put up with these different things i don't think the will uh, to, to fight it and to protect those documents is there in a, in a significant way um, as, as bad as I hate to say that. And I also feel like it seems like our government, you know, is in bed on both sides with all these, you know, multinational corporations that, you know, they, they've, they've shut out uh, competition. I think that's one of their main goals when they, you know, get with the governments and control the governments, they can kill all, com- all competition. But, they, you know, the, you see these big multinational corporations going along with the COVID rules and, and enforcing them, even when local municipalities aren't enforcing them and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't know if we're even a, a representative republic. Anymore, yes. You know what I mean? It's like, I hate that. I really, really hate that. Um. Yes, uh, I'm with you. And I never would participate myself. I mean, my mother, she's so funny. She's so funny. She she's ridiculous. Like one time, one of my sisters, she didn't have a boyfriend. She wanted a boyfriend. We're watching TV and my mother goes, this is in New York. And Keith Hernandez, I guess, was like, was he a Yankee or a Met? He was probably a Met. I think Mets. My mother's from Brooklyn and who would have been a Met? She wouldn't have liked him if he was a Yankee, I think. But now she likes the Yankees. So she says, there you go. Keith Hernandez. He's single. He's so cute. And we're like, <laughs> ma. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> like, I, I, it's like, is it realistic? So she says to me, you gotta run. You should be like a senator or something. <laughs> like I'm definitely not doing that. I'm an anarchist and I'm not doing that. Just like Senate Congress, maybe it's easier. Just do that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I laugh at her when she says that because there's like no way. I've never ever wanted anything like that ever. And I could never watch the news. I hated it. I hate the news. I hate the lies. And she used to say, you should be an anchor. You have a nice voice. Be an anchor. I'm like, I don't, I can't even watch the news, mom. So you just never know with her. I mean, I'm never, ever going to run for office. Like, there's no question about that. But I might go to the meetings and see what laws they're passing. Because Mm -hmm. 
they set the meetings so you don't know about them. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever it is, like you really have, they're really tricky about it and you don't know and you don't realize how important it is the people you elect until in the little, little things until they make a mask mandate in your little town, you know? And then mm-hmm. you're like, wow, I had no idea what a jerk you were. This is terrible. And how are we going to undo this? And then while they're there, they'll change the voting to like three quarters, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, so now we can never get rid of it because you guys were so awful. And I just thought, oh, I know I'm from soccer. You know, like it's like a dad, <laughs> a soccer dad. I voted for him for the school board, you know? And it's like, oh, dang, you know, I should have thought about it more. But I, that's why I tell people like I am 100% for the agorism, for mm-hmm. homesteading. I, I love that for you should learn how to defend yourself with guns. Like you absolutely cannot leave that out of the equation. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to make sure that you can def- that you have the legal processes to defend that. And that that actually is what I think the progressive tax system is all about. And it's funny because I always thought that. And then once I heard Rush say that every once in a while, Rush would say something totally conspiranoid. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, then my mom would be like, that's what Rush says. I'm like, I said it <laughs> first. Like, what are you saying? Every time he said, you're, uh, how? And then she starts with the fake news. It's fake. I was like, I'm a, I used to tell you forever not to listen to the news, you know? So, but it's just when these people have these powerful positions, they, they said stuff, but Rush would throw those truth bombs out there once. So I wouldn't really yeah. elaborate on it, but it made, it was like a dog whistle to people like me to like, oh, that Rush, he knows what's going on. But the progressive taxation, in my opinion, is in order so nobody uh, can pull a Ron Paul, like nobody can mm. could actually go to Congress. Nobody could accumulate capital. So his wife put him through medical school. So he didn't even have the bills. And then he went to medical school and they went into the service. And he I think he did two tours as a doctor. And then he did his doctor thing and he put away some money, put some money in gold. Like his only asset is gold. I thought that was awesome. And it certainly <laughs> did go up in value. So he could fight that. And, and I think, what do I do? Like, I've got these kids, I've got a special needs kid and uh, it's a big job to, you know, just be a mom. People really, mm. it's ridiculous how much work it is to feed and clean. And well, I hate shopping. I like to cook, but who has the time? Mm. So I got all that. And then I have this because it just happened to like, it's like, I don't know what a calling what, but then I have this. So I'm super, super busy. I can't really do anything else. I can't even, you know, uh, wherever I don't even get enough exercise, but I cannot do another thing. Like I cannot start going to the meetings and I don't even know if I'm going to live in this town for very long. I rent this house. Like, so that's another thing. They send all the kids to, why do the kids go away to college? Why are they doing that? Well, you're never going to see mm. them again. What, what were you, what was that all about? And then they have no yeah. sense of community and then you move around. Like, so it's all, it's the, the cards are stacked against that kind of involvement, but I feel like someone needs to say it. So people start thinking about it, like pick your County, pick your town, pick your state, make sure they let you accumulate rainwater. I literally don't think I'm allowed to accumulate rainwater on this property. Isn't that crazy? Not that it ever <laughs> rains here. It's in California, but yeah. so, so like you have the guns, the rainwater, like, you know, you can't have them coming and killing your chickens, which they do in some places because of the COVID or whatever. So like, make sure that that soccer dad, you just elected to the town council mm. that he's got some chickens and knows what it's all about. Or, or, you know, like, I just feel like nobody's saying that. And I, and I yeah. feel like the first step is maybe to say, Oh, here is an actual solution. And this is what you need to do. You need to work. 
You need to speak freely to your kids. You need to probably know how to have a little bit, you know, grow a little food or have a food stockpile. And you need to probably give, you know, I don't know, go to the website of your local government or decide where you're living based on that, those kind of laws and how you're able to participate in that. Just stay aware. I mean, I think one time when I had this radio show, I was filling in for Eric Erickson, which was a weeknight. So his listenership was at least 10 times mine, 10 times. That was like half the population of Atlanta. And we, they had this no knock raid bill coming through the legislature legislator. And we just, a, a lawyer, an activist called me during the show. I had her on and she told people like, you have to communicate with your legislator, your Senate, like state center, whatever. You've got to stop this. This is how people are getting killed. They're coming to, they're knocking on people's doors, the wrong door in the middle of the night. You come with a gun. It's a big gun holding place. You go mm-hmm. to the door with a gun and they're killing people doing that. Look up William David Powell in Henry County. I was, it was, they just do that. It wasn't a no knock raid, but it was something like that. And it got defeated. And we are still like that chick and my friend Garland, who's election activist, we still talk about that. Like, remember that? It was just because you filled in for Erickson that day. And well, they did a lot of work. It might have happened anyway. But like, we all think that that was it. Just telling Mm -hmm. people to call because they just were not aware of it. That's why it was very powerful to have that show. But fuck it. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so like, that's what I think. We need to know and we need to think and we need to like really start moving fast yeah. you know yeah i mean you're totally right we need to get involved you know in that's what i've been telling people i'm like you know because people say well do you have any answers you know and i'm like well i don't have you know the answers but i would just tell you to get more involved in your local community you know take better care of your family you know really focus on the things that are important to you and maybe you can do things in your own little neighborhood and, and whatnot uh, but you're right. People need to. We're at the point where the obvious needs to be spoken repeatedly all the time because we're yeah. inundated. Because you get overwhelmed when they are saying mm-hmm. go to the, you know, when they tell us that the plan is to over overthrow the government in D.C. Yeah. That's not a good plan, first of all. Right. And, you know, it's not a good plan. And second of all, because what's going to replace it at this point, it's very clear yeah. the U.N. would come in. So, you you know, don't do that. And it's impossible, especially when these guys all left their guns at home and only brought their selfie sticks like that. You know, you're not (laughs) telling me that's a right wing militia. Right. No way. I've been to the gun range and (laughs) that is not what those guys would be bringing. So no chance of of that. But and like uh, we did a show with Etienne Dulebuetzi, who talks about the Free State Project in New Hampshire. And he's like, just go there. You know, if you're if you have the uh, ability and mobility to do that, they're all of that mind, right? So maybe they could secede, which would be completely fine. That I have no problem with. Yeah. And um, I mean, I have no problem with, a, I think society self-ordering. I think government's a horrible, horrible mistake, a horrible mistake and a complete lie. But mm. how do we get from here to there? Like we have to be very serious and you're right. Like take care of your kids. You really have to communicate with them about the truth. I mean, don't scare them. Don't start too young. Yeah. I think I, I <laughs> got them in trouble a few times in elementary <laughs> school. <laughs> like they, 
a couple of, yeah. They, so you got to be careful about that. I was not wise, but they're, you know, they can think, at least they can think. And I don't care about their politics at all. I don't care if they're raging communists or anything, as long mm. as they can think someday, probably when they bring home their first paycheck or their first baby, they will get it. Mm-hmm. But you got to teach them to think. But that's the most important thing, because what, what they're really trying to do is separate us from our kids and have those the digital thing educate the kids mm-hmm. and replace yeah, abs- wisdom and, and our heritage. Yeah, absolutely. It's like um, there's just so many things happening, you know, at this time in, you know, in the world. And it's like you've got the technocracy, which is, you know, it's still kind of relatively new to all of us. And we're all t- trying to learn how to live with it and not let it destroy us. And I think that it's been used as such a tool for the people who want to rule us, you know, because it's given us, given them that uh, ability to propagandize so many people that otherwise they wouldn't have had quite that influence on, especially younger people. Cause like before when they just had the news, which was probably their main tool, uh, you know, younger people didn't even watch the news, but now it's like there's, tons of propaganda in every movie every comedy every you know even sports and in everything is propagandized now in, in you know jacques 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 Lul, is it i always say his name the wrong oh yeah way. yeah i don't know it's jacques for sure jacques, jacques yeah. is the first part and uh uh it's a lull or a lul i mean i took french but i i didn't get that <laughs> one right yeah he's he's um a little hard to read but what were you going to say you're i was just going to say that you know he he was so right with that propaganda yeah. book formation of men's attitudes. oh yeah but he also wrote the technological society that's right yeah. yeah yeah like so he's got it both but it's he's hard to read so yeah, yeah i agree he's heady it's like well okay man i gotta put this down it makes my head hurt maybe yeah, i'll understand like, it later i can only understand it after a couple of cups of coffee and the only time i have time to read a book after a cup of coffee is on vacation and usually i'm immediately sliding right into the bloody mary so there's (laughs) no chance (laughs) i'm not reading a little in the morning on my vacation right but uh but i do i i have to figure out a way i'm trying to i tweet uh well i tweet a little bit less than i used to um just for reasons of time but yeah i if I don't take, if I, there's no electronics in my room ever and I go to sleep at night, then I'll read a couple of pages of that. But of course that's going to put you right to sleep. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, what was great was Kaczynski's technological slavery. I mean, that was a page turner. That, I've and, get uh, that. I've get it draws that. from, he, he admits that he's not, it's not original to him. He just makes it so accessible. And I used to be embarrassed to even say it cause he's a fucking serial killer, but yeah. Hey man, you got to separate out. <laughs> yeah, yeah if he was you right, have to he was separate right. things out. You can't put if, if if every every idea and principle were tainted because the person who delivered it was imperfect or horribly horribly flawed, you would have nothing left because we're all pretty flawed. I'm not a serious. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, I just want to say while we're talking, you had the best line during uh, some. some I don't know. It was probably early on in the Trump presidency, but it was something I was thinking, but not, I hadn't quite like said it in my mind completely. And you, you would say when people would tell you, you would complain about Trump, you'd say something he's been doing and they would be like, well, what would you rather have Hillary or whatever? (laughs) And you would say, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> not because I really did, but because I think what I would say, do you want me to say it? Or do you, yes, it yeah. I think I know what you're saying. I'd say if you, if this were Hillary, if Hillary is the one who called this COVID thing or called this state of emergency and it resulted in total lockdown, there'd be 4 million long guns on the mall <laughs> in front of her house. And that's right. the way it would be. And uh, yeah. that would stop people down. They're like, you yeah. got a point there. But now that we see Biden, like, but I think, remember when Bush had that, that uh, he had that like trillion dollar, he signed off on that trillion dollar spending package right before Obama came in and then Obama, and it was like, holy crap, is that like three zeros? How many fucking commas are in that? <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't even yeah. know how many commas that is offhand. And then Obama came right there and did another one, just another one right away. And everyone's like, well, it's only, you know, a trillion dollars. Like a Republican did it first. So yeah. who are you to complain? So now we have these horrible, horrible things that Biden is doing. And it looks like, yeah, you know, maybe I was wrong about that. But if it had been Hillary on the heels of Obama, people were mm -hmm. fatigued with that stuff. That's why. Yeah. I don't know if elections are ever fair, but that's why Trump had the support he did is like people were sick of Obama, but who really needed that support and deserved that support was Ron Paul. So like in 2012, I guess it was where he won Iowa. He won Iowa. Could you imagine the power of winning Iowa if they had just reported it honestly? Mm -hmm. And if Ron Paul had been president, even if he's an inside job, even if he's controlled opposition, what a glorious, you know, what a glorious achievement if they have to give us controlled opposition in the form of Ron Paul, you know, but instead they gave us Trump. It's like, yeah. that is not a yeah. victory for the American experiment. You know, that yeah. is so, so now that, that Trump created this or the Trump phenomenon created the polarization then you have the, the you see these people on the the or whatever biden's going to pull down on the left so extreme you the right doesn't even have a say anymore it's almost mm -hmm. like they were just totally discredited mm -hmm. and that and that it's easy to say that like well you guys had your chance and now you just need to pipe down and and then biden comes out and says like the era of small government is over government will save you. Like he said, he didn't say that, but he said something like that, right? Like, I mean, mm. did you hear that? His first press no. conference, he said something like that. Like, don't this, this fantasy people have, or this um, obsession with small government's got to go. Government's here to do stuff. I mean, if Hillary had said that at her first press conference, yeah. I mean, that, that they, there, there would have been, that would have been it. There would have been a, an unbelievable tide of tea parties or whatever in 2018. And yeah, so that's what I do think that happened. But yeah, things have, you know, things change so quickly with politics, you know, and it's like, yeah, I kind of feel like Trump was like, even if he, I mean, I, I like you said, who knows if any election is real or not, but like he, it was almost too good for him to come in. He co-opted the minds of the right. And, and he really brought all these young people on board who have never been for Republicans in the past which was great or it seemed great in a in a sense but i'm like well he just doesn't have any substance you know he's not ron paul he doesn't have any substance he's he, he most people like the way he talked to the democrats even me I and mean, it was hilarious yeah, you know he's, yeah. he was a funny very funny guy <laughs> but <laughs> um you know he just he didn't have the substance and then after it was all said and done you know uh, 
spending was out of control even before COVID hit. You know, he was already spending out of right. control. And he signed giving, two insane deficits in the yeah. it was an expansion time, peacetime, all of that. And he got elected with zero dollars. Do you realize that his campaign budget was zero? I wrote, wow. I would keep, a, I wrote a blog post as long as my arm and I would just keep updating it with the crazy crap. And he, he spent zeros absolutely positively wow. unprecedented. And in my opinion, the one thing that no, that money could not buy, but would get him the presidency was having Jeff Zucker who trained him as an actor in the apprentice or was at the head of the ship when that happened. Yeah. Uh, he all he did was he had the CNN guys. There were articles about this. He would tell the anchors to lay off and not ask Trump hard questions or whatever. Take it easy on him. And at the same time, they were saying this is Trump is our worst nightmare, a Democrat's mm. worst nightmare. And that mm. is powerful advertising to the Republicans. And it went right, right to what you're saying. Like everybody loved how he talked to them. But his, I believe that that energy was an intentional hijacking of the Ron Paul problem. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a yeah. problem for them because the, the left, the left promises big government to people who will benefit from it. And then they win. The right yeah. promises small government and they're lying. Mm -hmm. So when Ron Paul comes up and says that the right has a problem, the left will never have. So that's why they had to, they just had to hijack it. Mm -hmm. And I think they decided that if they could gut it of ideology, it would neutralize it forever because what, what Ron Paul was tapping into, and this goes to what you said about like, take care of your family. And what I think is so important, what Ron Paul was tapping into was, I mean, I don't even know what this means, archetype, whatever, but it was our parents passed down from our grandparents, from their parents, whenever they came to this country, what it meant, like a respect for the, the stealing and killing thing, right? So the moral thing is don't steal and don't kill. And the government thing is that too for libertarians. Mm -hmm. So that is actually the foundation of the enlightenment of laissez-faire free markets of the constitution of all that stuff. You can really trace it to like, don't touch me or my stuff. And we have that collective memory, I think, or we have that tradition. That's the mm -hmm. word I'm looking for. We have that tradition. So when Ron Paul came out and articulated it, it resonated with people who had heard it from their parents and their grandparents, you know, and they, and they, it got recharged like a relay mm -hmm. and then they could, they could regurgitate it. I mean, he would be spouting economics and get people, college kids to burn dollar bills. I mean, <laughs> talking about <laughs> economics. So that was so powerful. And they knew they had to separate that ideology. They just had to eradicate it. And that's why they yeah. really went for like the, the rural people, the South, anywhere mm. where that tradition was alive. So in New yeah. York, I only got that from my dad. I didn't know anybody, anybody who even voted Republican, much less had libertarian leanings. But when I went to the South and lived in Texas, they were Republicans. They weren't really ideologically consistent with my viewpoints, but I couldn't believe there was anybody who even voted like that. 
and then so I feel like they they so they have deliberately been targeting the rural and the south and the regions where those kind of thoughts kind of survived. And and that's yeah. why I think like sleepaway college and stuff, kind of like the draft. My mother always said that she's like, they took the boys and they never came back. Mm. Not because they died, but because they, who's going back to Iowa? You marry a French girl, you know, like you're not going <laughs> back to Iowa. So that's it. And and I feel like sleepaway college is what is what that is all about too. It's just really and, and I've read this like in either Quigley or Toynesby, which is like another one of those guys like that big picture of historical patterns saying like yeah. the most important thing to do is to separate the generations. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is technology. And, and oh. one technology that was an, an example was the birth control pill, which is a technology. Mm. And it, it like literally separated because all of a sudden you could disconnect sex from childbearing. And then if you didn't have the kids, you weren't there to take care of the parents. The parents had to go on social security. And, mm. you know, like there was a lot to that, that just really fundamentally changed the society. But this like getting your kids to be raised on YouTube and having both parents out of the house working, like all that stuff. These are all technologies that separate us from, and for us particularly where our legacy is the best kind of freedom experiment. The best freedom experiment is not is not to have a monopoly course of government. That is it's crazy that everyone accepts that as a necessity. It's not. But we're in a crisis right now. And I think we've got to kind of pull it out of the ditch and then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not not give up. It'll be it all will be lost if we lose the Constitution, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Basically I think lost so. It, but. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I know. Toynbee had this, he's got this creepy quote about when they were, they had, you know, given up on the League of Nations because it got voted down and they were a few years later already working on the United Nations. Yep. And he, he's got this, I wish I could remember. It was something like about wrestling um, sovereignty out of the hands of the people and something like they were doing all the while we're saying something with our mouths, we're doing something else with our hands or building something else oh, with our hands or something like that. Yeah. And so it's, you know, they were really planning on, uh, you know, I mean, the things that are going on, you know, it's, this has been going on. Like we said, the CFR is a hundred years old and it started before that. So they've been trying to do this global governance thing for over a hundred years. And I think Alger Hess was, was an Alger Hess, the guy who went to jail for communism against, uh, Oh yeah. That great writer. Oh my gosh. He was so good. Whitaker Chambers. Great writer. Um, good books. And, but Alger Hiss, who through Whitaker Chambers testimony went to jail for communism and like state department spying and stuff. I believe he was one of the founders of the UN or he certainly was at the meeting mm -hmm. founding yeah. the UN. So they, and they talked about it as a product, prototype for world government from the beginning. And now I think that they have, I, I, they might've given up on doing it like that, like having world law through one entity. And I think this mm. big philanthropy, soft fascism, like the, I don't know what exactly to call it, but people think of fascism as the government favoring the corporations and mm. using law to favor the corporations. And I think, the corporations are actually using their power to create the laws and like mm. NGOs 
do that. There's a human rights industry, they call it, and what and like mercenaries. What I didn't know about that stuff, it took me a while to. Sorry, can you tell I'm from New York? I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they would always think I was Italian. I'm not Italian. So they, because uh, they moved my hand so much. But um, the way they would do it in the, I distracted myself. Uh, wait, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, wait, we have to get it back. We have to get it back. We were talking about the plan for world governance being, yes, being yes. really old. Yes, and they were this backdoor fascism, and they use the um, they use their power as corporations to change the laws. Oh, so the human rights industry mercenaries, what they do is they take this mandate that we give the government. We say, oh, government only government can do certain things, and they take our taxes and they take that mandate, and then but they don't actually. And I think charter schools might be like this too. That's a CFR thing. You got to be careful. The charter schools seem great, but it's a CFR project. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, so what they so they don't have to they don't have to follow the same rules. They don't have the same accounting or transparency or anything like they just are like subcontractors and the government will give them money without the same restrictions that the government yeah. would have to adhere to if they did it themselves. And that like, that Scary. is not cool. <laughs> yeah. And then wow, when know. like with the human rights industry, that's why there's advertising in foreign countries to emigrate to these like, podunk town. So I'm, I don't know if it's like Somalia, it's Minneapolis. I have a friend from Cape Verde islands who said that they, they recruit heavily for people to move to Brockton, Massachusetts. And that I guess my guess is that like different, they must have some kind of financial allocation, but of course what you're trying to do when I was growing up, immigration would be like, Puerto Ricans went to New York and Mexicans went to Texas and Asians went to California. And then like there would be communities there and mm -hmm. they would kind of help you assimilate or, and you know, became part of that culture. It would yeah. change the culture, but it would be part of the culture. And people for the most part, before you really have that cradle to grave welfare state, even for newcomers, I mean, it's not really like that quite yet, but, that that's a different dynamic, but people would come because they want to be a part of this culture. It's a very economic eat what you kill culture. And so they can fit in, even if at first they dress differently or eat differently, they will yeah. enhance the culture and they will adapt to the culture. So it's a give and take because you have to like take a shower and shave and wear whatever clothes to get that job that maybe mm -hmm. you wouldn't have to in a, in a, place where there's like not a lot of water, you know, like there's just, yeah. they have different things and you have to come and do it. And, and because of that kind of natural geography thing, it would work. Okay. But these NGOs, they'll, it's very disruptive to take, I know Sweden has this problem. They have a lot of Somalians and Iraqis going to Sweden. I'm like, why don't you have Ukrainians going to Sweden? Like, it just doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. And it's, and it's intentionally, in my opinion, disruptive, but I believe because they don't have the kind of transparency, people don't really focus on it you know, from a political, there, the politics are gone from it because yeah. they've outsourced it. And that's what, like, I think that those things are probably controlled by big philanthropy too, mm -hmm. you know, or big corporations too. So we really are yeah. moving into this fascist world. And I, 
it's it's funny for me because I've always hated government so much, but it's really what I coined as the corpo governmental continuum. It's just it's the people and yeah. the power. And then and I, you know, I feel like we just got to hang on for a little bit and try to try to like while we still have the laws, they didn't like literally yeah. overthrow the Constitution yet, I think. Yeah. But maybe, you know, maybe maybe I'll I'll wake up tomorrow and be like, that was wrong. You can't. It's hopeless, but I, I can't I can't take the black pill yet. I cannot yeah. do it. I go from day to day. I kind of switch back and forth. And but, you know, you see sometimes on these local uh, you'll see a local story, you know, something was deemed unconstitutional or sometimes it's even a national story. And so obviously those laws are still there and they do get things overturned in favor of, you know, the citizen and what's correct. So, like you said, if if we acted if enough of us got together and, and enforced this contract, then they would have to act because that seems to be the one thing they still fear is the people in numbers, you know, our leaders and whoever else. But I think they, they know that they've got us all so uh, severed and, and divided and even into all these different subgroups. And yes. you know, it's just, um, it's really crazy what they've done. And I think it's hard for people to focus. That's why I'm starting to realize. And I thought this all along the COVID thing. This was what I was saying. Like, lawyers need to sue. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. we need lawyers to sue the governors. We need them to sue them. Like, we have, to, that's what we need. Who, who's going to do it, you know? Yeah. And I was looking around, like, who could do it? I, I went to law school. Like, I really wish I had paid attention because I never, you know, I'm thinking until my kids, like, become a civil rights lawyer. They're like, what are you talking about? Like it's, <laughs> it's where I've come out. But so I feel like it can be as simple as bring the suits and yet it's not perfect. Like the judges are wrong and stuff, but if you bring enough, they're corrupt, but many of them, if you bring enough public awareness to the suit, that's why I support Garland and his efforts towards the election. Neither of us mm-hmm. voted for Trump, but we're fighting this because uh, fighting for election integrity, just because you got to fight, you got to fight. Yeah. You can't not fight. And I, and he's, he need. we're going to do a fundraiser. I think next Monday when I'm in Atlanta again to, to just raise the money for the thing. It's going to be like a hundred thousand dollars. That's not that much. Yeah. It's just it's not awesome. that much. So let's see what happens, but yeah, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Very cool. I hope that I hope it goes well because you're right. I've been telling people the same thing. Get these lawsuits going because that yeah. is the one thing that will probably get their attention faster than anything else because they don't nobody wants to lose large amounts of money. And, um, you know, you see people. I mean, if again, if enough people banded together and gave just a little bit, you know, then that adds up. And, uh, or just to pay attention to it. I think the money would be there. Like, I, I think one guy could do it. Like there are yeah. rich guys around who still believe in the, in the thing and I, in the, in the constitution or the system. And I feel like that was something that was really, really lost. The more the government has power. So like in the fifties, my dad had a butcher shop or like a meat cutter place. And, and he would just know the guys who were trustworthy like good Mm. businessmen and people who were fair dealers. And he'd be like, never go into that store like in Brooklyn because that guy's like a thief, you know, he's Mm. a liar and he's puts the thumb on the scale. So they, you'd really care about your reputation and you'd respect them personally. And 
maybe you'd see them at church or whatever. Like it's the community was part of that. And then as, and I remember noticing this, it was like Obama, it was that era when it started. Oh, and Obamacare in particular, it's like, he acts like this is for the people. Socialism is for the people. As soon as that happens, then it's all, it's, then you have to go to, to the government to get the contracts. Mm. You don't have to deliver a good product. Me as a, as a, as a consumer, I cannot vote with my dollars anymore because how can anyone compete with Solyndra when, you know, or Tesla, how is anyone going to compete with Tesla? No. I mean, right. And it's because they get the tax money Yeah, and they've had it already. So even if now mm-hmm. you opened it up and said, oh, they're not getting any more tax money, but they got so much like subsidies or tax breaks, or I don't know what, but without government, Tesla would not exist right now. Right. Yeah. And that, so- you know, it's just the, the whole thing has changed, but I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, I think, I don't know. I, 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 I can't stop trying yet. Mm-hmm. Well, you shouldn't. And, and, and you can inspire a lot of people. You do inspire a lot of people and, and, and people need to hear this positive message and they need to hear that there is hope. And uh, I think a lot of people right now, since, you know, the election's all settled now. And uh, I think a lot of the MAGA people, like I know some younger guys I've done some shows with and stuff and they were big time MAGA guys and they're pissed. They're really, they feel like they got fooled. They got screwed out over and they're really pissed. And I know people my age and older, that were MAGA people still still are kind of hanging on to that whole dream, even though they see that it didn't. Work I wondered out. if people would wake up and say yeah. Trump was stupid, or I was stupid, or he was um, lying. Like, what yeah. what do they think? Like, what is the form of the disappointment? Because I I am no like I told you so. I actually hate that, and I really yeah. loved the hope of the MAGA thing. Yeah, and you know, so what what are they what are they thinking? You think? Well, it seems to be good and bad. Um, I think kind of like, you know, how after Ron Paul got screwed over and a lot, I don't think a lot of people realized how badly they screwed him over. It took me a while, but um, I knew he did, but just the way they did, it was just unbelievable. It was just a crime. Even down to the RNC, like they were escorting Ron Paul supporters out. Yeah, absolutely. That gal who helped me do the, the, uh, who's she did it, but the no knock raid thing, I believe she was an elector that year, something like that, a rep at the RNC. And they said, if you don't, if you don't abandon your support for Ron Paul, you'll never hold office. You'll never go anywhere. And she was really young and she refused and boy, she never went anywhere. She probably saved some lives with the no knock raid thing and all the other good work she does, but they, they, it was dirty pool. You're right about that. Mm. So yeah, people won't know how bad they did him. Yeah. You know, a lot of people ended up becoming hardcore anarchists, which is not necessarily bad, but a lot of people go completely nihilistic. And I think that can be bad. And I feel like a lot of these MAGA guys are kind of going towards nihilism, the younger guys. And um, I always find myself being the older guy in the crew. So I've <laughs> talked to a lot of these guys and um I tell them, man, don't go completely nihilistic. There's still some hope and you got to have some faith. You can't just say everything we've ever been told is a lie because that's too simple. Uh, some things we've been told is a lie, but you've got to really study things and research things to figure out what is a lie and what's not. And so I'm hoping that maybe eventually these guys will, a couple of years from now, will continue to research and become smarter 
and uh, not just become total nihilists. Yeah, I mean, well, that's why I love the idea of like, I really had an eye opening moment when I realized that like I've been jawboning about politics and the constitution, the bill of rights for all this time. And I never, so like, I, I've said that, you know, I, I don't like that. I never show up at the town hall meetings. I also never, uh, armed up or bought chickens or had a garden. Like I never did anything to assert my autonomy as an organic being on this earth. And I, I, I mean, the extent of my demands for liberty were theoretical. And mm -hmm. I absolutely feel like you have to get in touch with the fact that this is about physical space. Don't invade my property. I need to eat. You are obviously one pandemic away from cutting off my food supply. So I need to think about that. It's a responsibility to your, if you're going to have children, you need to think like that. Yeah. And, and, and that's one thing, but we do live in civilization and there's basically nowhere where we can do only that. Mm -hmm. So I love permaculture, but you're going to have to be able to collect some rainwater if that's what's needed in your, you know, so you have to, because they have the guns, yeah. they're everywhere. They have total monopoly on violence everywhere. So yeah. you got to show up and say, like, show yourself, like show your hand or we're right. going to band together. So you, I think you absolutely have to do both. And there's probably more. I mean, I've got one guy who I love CFR network noble from England. And he, every time I talk to him, he's like, so what have you read in the Bible since the last time we talked? Like <laughs> I never read the Bible. So, uh, so I probably need to get to that sooner rather than later, as my father would say, you know, not the day nor the hour. So <laughs> I probably need to rearrange my priorities, but there's a lot to do. And I spent all this time going to school, going to graduate school, <clears throat> uh, thinking in terms of, um, acquiring, as much as possible for every hour of work. And I think mm. that's where, like we were talking earlier about the kids, <clears throat> I don't know how they're lear learning or raised or whatever. Like, I think you have to go back and, and realize that just maximizing your productivity per hour of labor, which is like, honestly, all I ever wanted was like, I, want to make the most money so I can go on the best vacations and eat the best food and look the nicest, you know, and I never really mm. achieved any of that. And I, now that I'm older, I realize that's stupid waste of time and life. You know, then when you're 80, what you're going to, that's my mother saying. So she's a great looking corpse. <laughs> so what? <laughs> so I just like, you know, like you're right, mom. So what I really want <clears throat> is to hang out with my kids and they they have started to garden and stuff. And uh, I just oh, cool. I love that. And that's the funny thing about this year. And I really hesitate to say anything good about it, but it's been absolutely great for my family to really get 
close and we did learn to garden. We started to learn those lessons for ourselves and, you know, make my, we have no more help with my special son. So my other kids pitch in, they learning how to cook. And really I was learned so much more about health and nutrition and really trying to take control of the little things that I can. And maybe that's really the answer. It's like, I can't do all of those things. I'm trying to save my soul, even if I don't read the Bible, but uh, I know that's number one, but the other stuff, you know, maybe it is just baby steps. And maybe if you teach your kids, they can get a little bit ahead of it and not start as late as I am. But I feel like I'm, I don't know why I'm giving a pep talk. I just am starting to think like this because I need, I can't stand the negativity. I've just had it. Yeah. Well, I think that's the way to go because it, it, it lets people know that they can, can do things on this smaller level to help themselves, to help their families and to do something positive that they, you know, you spend like you go out and, and you plant something and you put your hands in that dirt and there's something about it, you know? Yes. And, uh, and then when you get to get the actual food, the, the, the fruit or the vegetables, yes. it's like, wow, I grew this and God gave me the light and the, the oxygen. And it's just, it's something awesome about it. And even cooking your own food, cooking mm-hmm. your own food, learning about nutrition. If you have a problem, like addressing it, we've have all sorts of aches and pains now that we're on zooming all the time. And yeah. I noticed that as I've been reading this, like <clears throat> um, some of the, my listeners have sent me books on health and nutrition and some of the podcasts I've listened to. And as I've been communicating with my kids on that stuff, I mean, I'm eating liver and making bone soup. Like nobody will eat oh, wow. that stuff. Like my <laughs> bone broth is literally like meat jello and they're just skeeved oh, wow. to the max. Cause that's what I have for breakfast, but they're starting to clue into the fact that you can take some control over your health. And then they start reading these things about the vaccines and they're not going to be first in line. And you really can't yeah. stop them if they want to be, you got teenagers, right. you ain't stopping them. If they, mm. if they want to go on that class trip, they are mm. going to get that thing unless they learn how to think. So maybe these little things, we got to keep them being able to reproduce. And until the mm. jury is in on those vaccines and how they yeah. affect that, can you imagine 4 million years of evolution? Let's assume that that's even a true story, but let's just say 4 million years of evolution and your genes have survived all that time, get wiped out because Bill Gates is a psychopath. Like, uh, mm. I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not ready for that. So no, even with absolutely. my kids, I'm like, I just, just make sure you bring some babies home at some point, like not yeah. right now. <laughs> like now would not be the best time, but we just want to make sure that you can do that because we can live to fight another day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been fantastic. I thank you so much for coming on here. Well, I hope we hit all the topics that you wanted to. I feel like we just had a great conversation and yeah. I don't. I, I like know. to keep it casual. So okay, great. yeah, we could talk about that other thing sometime. Maybe uh, you could be on in a, in a few more months. And <laughs> Sure. Absolutely. Anytime. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you got to tell everybody where they can find you if they, if maybe they've been living under a rock and they don't know, but I think most <laughs> of my listeners probably listen to you, but please tell us how we can find you. Absolutely. So I do a daily show with my partner, Binkley, who, you know, the drive time news blast. You can find that it's, it's news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. It's on the podcast feed of the propaganda report. We also do some interviews and, uh, we, uh, you can go to our website, thepropreport.com. We do lots of extra stuff on patreon.com slash propaganda report, extra material, no commercials. And, 
Uh, we have parties, which are like the highlight of my, you know, every other week we do cocktail parties. I love them. And then Binkley turns me on to these crazy clips from the CFR, Brookings, all that on rockfin.com slash propaganda report. He really triggers me basically <laughs> once a week with how they're actually plotting to rule the world. It's really unbelievable. And it's so funny because these videos he finds have like 45 views and they're just like, this is how we're going to propagandize black people into taking the vaccine, you know, and then they do it. And you're just like, how come nobody saw that? It's really amazing. So he, uh, that's, that's really fun too. And we also have the website, thepropreport.com. So we're doing some meetups. We're doing a meetup, um, in Atlanta on Sunday, April 18th. And, uh, I'm having drinks with a few listeners in New York, but if you want to look at the meetup schedule, go to thepropreport.com. There's a meetup tab, but why don't you tell people too, because we're going to put it on our feed as well. Oh, very cool. Well, uh, the best place to find me, if you just want to say hello is, uh, underscore the odd man out on Twitter or Instagram. And then you can find my show at alternatecurrentradio.com. And it's like the fourth show down. So just, I think pretty much every platform has the odd cast featuring FT, the odd man out. So just look there and you should be able to find it. Okay. And actually we do uh, tweet at each other. I'm at Monica yeah. Perez show. That's my yeah. favorite place to hang out when I can. Yeah, definitely check out Monica on Twitter because she does some great tweets and uh, and it's it's a cool little community on there on Twitter because you get some really good ideas and then some not too good ideas. But <laughs> <laughs> they keep you in the loop anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you once again. I hope to talk to you again very soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that was my show with Monica Perez from the Propaganda Report. I appreciate her and Binkley being on the shows. It was so cool to finally get to talk with them after being a fan and listening so long. And so it's really awesome to be able to connect with these highly intelligent, inquisitive people. You need to support Propaganda Report on their Patreon or their Rockfin. And by the way, I tried to get on Rockfin, but I never even heard back. So I don't know. <laughs> you can't win them all, I guess. But they do a lot of extra content. Especially the Rockfin, they put all these videos on there. They're fantastic. And the, they do extra, like I think it's like 15 extra minutes per show for their Patreon, as well as do these disappearing Patreon parties where they do videos and they drink and you can join in and just they have a great conversation. So anyway, definitely check them out. My top three favorite shows of all time, and it's one that I never miss. Um, also, if you feel led to, please support me with my Patreon, and that is patreon.com forward slash the odd man out. You can become a member of the Society of the Cryptic Savants or just throw me a couple bucks. You don't have to subscribe monthly or whatever, but I'm kind of leaning towards the value for value model that Adam Curry talks about with no agenda. And that is if you get value out of this show or other shows, give them a little bit of money. Because time is money. And if we want to continue to get deep analysis and hidden history and these unique perspectives from these different creators, then we have to support them or they will go away. So with that being said, I look forward to talking to you next week. I want to wish you cheers and blessings. And remember, their order is not our order. See you guys. We did an illusion.
illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You ate like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets, turn them off now, turn them off right now, turn them off and leave them off, turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now, turn them off!